0: Greetings to the PATH family. Our slogan at the PATH is meeting you where you are. We invite you to follow, share, and check us out on social media. You may connect with us at any time, anywhere. On Facebook at The PATH Church or Instagram and Twitter at Join the PATH. Without further delay, enjoy this week's sermon. So our theme, as you can see, is can't make this up. We've been talking about what it means to be in wonder of God. How do we read the scriptures with wonder? And I thought about this wonderful story in the Bible. It's all about one of the most pivotal couples in the history of God's people and how they found each other. So single people, you should really enjoy this sermon. But overall, it's a story that should help us all build our faith in God, teach us lessons that will help our relationships with one another. And ultimately, I hope it will leave us all saying, you can't make this up. Can you say it with me? Can't make this up. Okay, well, let's jump right in. Genesis chapter 24, verse 1. The scriptures will be on the screen. You can take screenshots of this if you're logged on to Menti. Go back and study them out for yourself. Abraham was now a very old man, and the Lord had blessed him in every way. One day, Abraham said to his oldest servant, the man in charge of his household, Take an oath by putting your hand under my thigh. They did that kind of thing. That was a a thing. Swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and earth, that you will not allow my son to marry one of these local Canaanite women. Go instead to my homeland, to my relatives, and find a wife there for my son Isaac. And so Isaac was the... The son of promise, right? Because God had told Abraham that your people are going to be as numerous as the sand on the seashore. It's all going to be through you. And Abraham and Sarah struggled to have children and they took matters into their own hands. But ultimately, they had Isaac. And so the whole lineage was supposed to flow through Isaac. And obviously, Isaac needed a wife so they could have children. And the Linnaeus can continue to move forward. Abraham was like, listen, we got to keep this thing in the family. So this servant, his name is Eleazar, and uh, he's mentioned back in Genesis 15, a, a trusted servant, his oldest servant in, in, in the house and would handle the affer- affairs of the house. And Abraham was like, listen, I, I, we need to be strategic about this legacy. We got to make sure that whoever my son marries is going to be, uh, it's, it's important. The whole lineage, I mean, she's got to be a great woman, right? And so he was focused on finding somebody that would add and help to support the vision that God had given Abraham and the covenant they had made together. I need somebody that's going to go along with what God has already promised for us and not lead us astray. Okay, so that's why we got to find somebody who's going to be a good fit. You know, that's important in the family. You know, you you need somebody that's going to be a good fit. And, uh, And so he was most concerned about the spiritual implications of this relationship to make sure that the family was built on a spiritual foundation. My question to us is how important is it to us to build a spiritual family. How important is that to us? I, I, wish, I should have asked that one. It should be. But I think some of us think other things are more important. We've talked about some of those things. Maybe it is finance, financial stability, right? Um, can't get married until I get to this place. Financially. You know, some of us may think, well, the intimacy has to be. The sexual intimacy, that's what I'm talking about. That has to be, right? Um, I don't know. I think sometimes it seems like our society, spiritual foundation may not be at. Or even spiritual unity. Like the fact that if we're talking about this being a, like, eternal thing, that this may be something really, really important for us and our family moving forward. You know, I, I got to I, I I take this time to encourage my mom. She's here today. And uh, I got to encourage you because, I mean, our family, the spiritual foundation was laid by her. And, and here, like, I wouldn't have the wife that I have, the children I have, if it wasn't for, for her prayers. For the example that she said in, in, in persevering and loving Jesus. And fighting for her relationship with God. And I felt that love as a, as a son. And, and my family feels that love. I can speak for my brothers that we feel her love. We feel her prayers. And guess what? It wasn't just when I was single. Some of us think, well, you got to build a spiritual family. It's just about who you find. No, that's just the beginning. That's very important. <laughs> but that desire and that focus on a spiritual family goes beyond finding somebody then you know god willing you have children you build a family you have other people in your family you know i mean and you want to be a good influence on them and help them spiritually right and you have grandchildren it it the things we start today are are going to have generational impact and i think in the moment we just can be short-sighted at times but what would it be like if we saw it through those eyes, the eyes that Abraham was looking through at the end of his life, saying, you know what, we got to make sure that these next, this, this, this next spouse, this next wife that comes into our family is going to be somebody who's going to continue this spiritual legacy. Here's what I've learned about life. You find what you look for. You find what you look for. You ever notice, I, I know this is true because years ago we were looking to buy a new car. <laughs> it's not, it's not, she's, <laughs> no, it's not, we, <laughs> we were looking to buy a new car. And once you think about the car you want, you start seeing that car on the highway all the time. You find what you look for, Right. And I'm like, what kind of phenomenon is this? I looked it up. The Bader-Meinhof phen- phenomenon, otherwise known as a frequency, frequency illusion or recency bias, is a situation where something you recently learned about suddenly seems to appear everywhere. There are two reasons for this phenomenon. First, selective attention, which means your brain is subconsciously seeking out more information on the subject. Or second is just confirmation bias. It means every time you see something related to that subject, Your brain says, "Hey, this is proof that this subject has gained popularity, right?" And so you need to keep, you know, confirming what you just saw or the decisions you just made. You find what you look for. You find what you look for where you look for it, when you look for it, how you look for it, and why you look for it. You find what you, and that's exactly what this we see in this servants adventurous he goes on this adventure in verse 5 the servant asked but what if i can't find a young woman who is willing to travel so far from home should i then take isaac there to live among your relatives in the land you came from no abraham responded we ain't going back be careful never to take my son there for the lord the god of heaven who took me from my father's house and my native land solemnly promised to give this land to my descendants, he will send his angel ahead of you and he will see to it that you find a wife there for my son. If she is unwilling to come back with you, then you are free from this oath of mine. But under no circumstances are you to take my son there. So the servant took an oath by putting his hand under the thigh of his master, Abraham. He swore to follow Abraham's instructions. Abraham had a plan. We ain't going back. We got to move forward. And he trusted Eliezer. He trusted him. But ultimately, he trusted God. He trusted Eliezer more than he trusted Isaac, I think. I think think so. Because he didn't send Isaac to go find yourself a wife. He was like, uh, (laughs) his trusted servant. Abraham, this is how Abraham reasoned this thing would happen. Abraham reasoned that that God would send an angel to go ahead of Eliezer. So it wasn't even about the servant, Eliezer. It was about the fact that an angel would go ahead. Now, we don't hear about an angel anywhere else in this story. But you know what I love about it? When we're imagining about how God will answer our prayers, sometimes we got to think about how could he do this? Because Abraham's thinking, how? I wonder, I'm sending Eleazar to this, to, the, to randomly find a wife. Okay, God, you got to go before us. You know what? The angel's going to go ahead of you. Isn't that amazing? Do we ever pray like that? Like, God, send angels before us. Send this angel. I, the confidence that you have at that moment when you believe and you trust that God is going before you, sending angels before you. But I like the fact that as we pray big prayers, there's got to be an imagination to it. And sometimes, even though we imagine one thing, God does something completely different. Because we never hear about the angel again. But amen. He needed that (laughs) for his faith. So my question to you is this. Would you trust someone to find your spouse? (laughs) Would you trust someone... To find your spouse. Red light, uh uh-uh, no, not at all. Yellow light, you know what? Maybe. I could think of one or maybe two people on the planet that I would trust to find me a spouse. Or green light, sure, you know what? God can use anyone. God can use Anyone. What is it for you? Well, it's good that most of us will trust. You know, I love, I love how real we are whenever we have these, these questions. You know, I think I'd go with yellow as well. Maybe one or two people on this planet. You know, if you have one or two people, text that person. If you can think of that name, text them right now and say, I trust you. <laughs> no, I'm for, I'm for real. If you said, if you know somebody, text us, you know what, I trust trust you that much to find me a spouse. You know what, go to the next line because somebody trusts these folks. I saw that billboard in Buckhead yesterday. (laughs) Find your love story, one-on-one matchmaking.com. Now, I don't know if that's like the client base or if that's who's actually matchmaking, but somebody decided, you know what, if we... Put these women drinking champagne on the billboards. Somebody will let us find them a match. See y'all acting kind of crazy because you trust Tinder. Some of us we, we make a match. We trust technology. We don't even know it's an algorithm. Amen. Do we trust God? Do we trust the people that love us and know us? What kind of trust do we have in our relationships? I think that's the question. Do we trust God enough to trust others? Where is our trust level at in our relationships? Well, here's another question before we stop there. The better question is for our parents. Parents, who would you trust to find a spouse for your kids? Cause that's what Abraham did. Only Jesus, huh? Confess, Keegan. Abraham trusted some. That's the irony. The irony is that this story is not about someone finding their spouse. It's about someone who trusted someone else who trusted someone else to find their spouse. Isaac trusted Abraham, who trusted Elazar to find a spouse for what? If you don't trust God that ain't happening. And I understand the cultural stuff, but it's a good opportunity to see where our trust is. Did you notice how I phrased the question? Who do you trust? Parents, if you trust somebody, text them now. You got your phones out, go ahead and text them now. If you you trust somebody else to, 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 to find a spouse for your children, text them. I was talking to a brother earlier, I think last couple of weeks, he said, you know what? That matchmaking stuff, that Marriages coming together. That, that may not be too bad of an idea. He has two daughters. So I, I understand. Let us, you know, I, we know our children better than they know themselves. You know what I mean? Can't trust them. Here's, here's the kicker on this. Eleazar was supposed to inherit Abraham's wealth. Back in Genesis 15, Because Abraham did not have a son, it was all going to go to his servant. So he goes from about to be set to now going to a distant land to find a spouse, a wife, for the son who will now inherit all that. And they still trusted each other. In the book, Speed of Trust, Stephen Covey, the author, says this. Simply put, trust means confidence. The opposite of trust is suspicion. The difference between a high trust and low trust relationship is palpable. Take communication. You can go to the next slide. In a high trust relationship, you can say the wrong thing and people will still get your meaning. In a low trust relationship, you can be very measured, even precise, and they'll still misinterpret you. I said, is that not the best illustration to talk about trust? I don't know if you've ever found yourself in that position on both ends of that, right? And so it's important to talk about how do we build trust? How do we build trust? Well, I know it takes time. I know it takes intentionality. I know it takes investment, right? Right? I, I think for me, if I think about what it takes for me to trust outside of trusting God, it starts there. But then it's like, does this person have genuine concern for me? Is it, two way, is it a two-way relationship? Or if I'm calling and checking in, that they're also asking how I'm doing. They're con- it's it's got to be a genuine concern, right? You got to trust that, that person. Then, then the really big one is, how, do we, how, do, how does this person respond to conflict? That's a big one for me. That's a deal breaker. Do they gossip? Do I find out from somebody else that they got a problem with me? Mm. That hurts my trust. Do they avoid the conflict? Do I find find out a month later, two months later, a year later? Remember when you did this? Oof. That's hard for me. It's a tough one. A tough one. Or can we get through it in a healthy way as the Bible teaches us to and be stronger as a result? That builds trust for me. Give me an opportunity to say I'm sorry. Give me an opportunity to become more like Jesus. And if you can't do that for me, mm, we can be acquaintances and we can be cordial. We can be brothers and sisters in Christ, but inner circle, nah. I'm just being real. Who we are determines the type of trust that people will have for us and vice versa. There's times in our lives when we will have to build new relationships. There's times in our lives when we move to a new place, a new job, start attending a new church, right? And we got to build new relationships, there's only so much you can do over a phone call over Zoom. How, how are we looking for new relationships? You look, you, you find what you look for, right? So how are we looking? Are we looking, are we going in guarded or are we going in giving? You know, we're, we're, about, we're about to have this, this new church coming out of this church and relationships are going to shift. I know we would love to say, ooh, ain't nothing going to change. But something changes when you don't see them on Sunday mornings. Something changes when all of a sudden other relationships are prioritized. It's okay, though. We can get through that, and you can still have great relationships. It may look a little different. There will be new relationships that are forged, right? And then for the ascending church, those if people leaving, I may have to start new relationships within this church. Open myself up. Am I going into this transition guarded or am I going into this thing giving? Everyone wants community. But here's the thing. Community is built on relationships and healthy relationships develop at the speed of trust. Now, while the church is a community, we all need our own community. Our own circles of relationships. A healthy church is, is filled with circles of relationships. It's not like this where you're looking at somebody else and, and it's like, no, it's circles. It's circles all throughout this church. People that, that you're helping, that are helping you. People that you're, you're, you love hanging out with. People that, you know what, I just go to them for this piece of advice or I go to them for this piece of advice. It's all types of relationship dynamics. And we can't put everybody in one category. We've talked about that in the past. That's too much press for anybody. We need a team. But there is no substitute for showing up. There is no substitute for even having a plan. And there's no substitute for praying about that. Just because you're intentional to have a plan doesn't mean it can't be organic as well. I think sometimes we want great relationships. Well, I just, I just want it to be easy. I just want easy. Re- that's great. If you find one or two people where it's just easy, that's a blessing. Most relationships, it's going to take work, and it's got to be intentional. But this is what we see as we move forward. In verse 10, Then he loaded ten of Abraham's camels with all kinds of expensive gifts from his master, and he traveled to distant, uh, to distant Aram Naharim. There he went to the town where Abraham's brother Nahor had settled. He made the camels kneel beside a well just outside the town. It was evening, and the women were coming out to draw water. I'm gonna get real practical. This brother put himself in the right place at the right time. This was the moment the women of the town were going out to draw water. If you're looking for somebody, where are you gonna be? I hate to say it. We made this more difficult than it needs to be. You're talking about you want a, you want a man, you, I, want, I want somebody, I want companionship, I, I want a girlfriend. Where are you? Where are you looking? Are you there? Are you showing up? Where are they? (laughs) It's like, let's go where they're at. This is a great place to start. (laughs) There's single people in this church. They're trying to love Jesus. This is a great place to start. That's all I'm saying. Not everybody's going to find a spouse in their local church. It may be good to go to a conference. It may be good to go to, to make some friends. Use that app for good. Use the app for good. I said that's what I said. Y'all didn't have a re- use the apps for good as a tool. Where are they? Isn't it fish in the sea or whatever it is. Like, where are they? <laughs> Be there. All right. Okay. Where are you looking? Verse twelve. Oh Lord, God of my master Abraham, he prayed. Please give me success today. Ooh. And show unfailing love to my master Abraham. I love that. It was, he was, I love that. He was praying for his brother it was Abraham. I love that. See, I am standing here beside this spring, and the young women of the town are coming out to draw water. This is my request, Lord. I will ask one of them, please give me a drink from your jug. If she says, yes, have a drink, and I will water your camels too, let her be. Well, she says she go water them camels. Let her be the one you have selected as Isaac's wife. This is how I will know that you have shown unfailing love to my master. He prayed a specific prayer. Later we learn he was praying this in his heart. Right? You find what you're looking for. How are you looking? Are you praying while you're looking? It's one thing to show up. That's a start. But are you praying when you're there? Are you praying in your heart specific, even on the date? Like, are you on the date praying? You know, are are you at church praying in your heart? Lord, help me to see who it is. Give me eyes to see who do you have for me, Lord. There's no substitute for that praying and having a plan and praying. There's no substitute for it. It was specific. And what he was asking for wasn't easy for anybody to do. Think about this, watering all these camels, camels drink up to 20 gallons. Watering 10 camels meant at least an hour of hard work. Brother, he was looking for some character. He was looking for a hard work. Somebody who, man, we we like that. Sister, just so you know, we like it. We like a woman that's got something going on. We don't want to be the center of your attention all the time. We like it, but not all the time. Like... Have some goals, you know, like have some things you're doing. That We like that. We like that. We like it. I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm running out of time. Verse 15. Before he had, before, <laughs> before he had finished, and, and I, I'm sure the sisters will say the same thing. We like, brother, you like so. You got yeah, Okay, okay. <laughs> but listen to this before he had finished praying that brother not only asked that he asked for today but then before he had finished praying he saw a young woman named Rebecca coming out with her water jug on her shoulder she was the daughter of Bethuel who was the son of Abraham's brother Nahor and his wife Milca Rebecca was very beautiful and old enough to be married but she was still a virgin she went down to the spring filled her jug and came up again running over to her You know what I'm saying? The servant said, please give me a little drink of water from your jug. Yes, my Lord, she answered. Have a drink. And she quickly lowered her jug from her shoulder and gave him a drink. Before he finished praying, Rebecca comes on out. She's got her jar. She's going down to to the stream to get some water and caught his eye. Beautiful. That's a good friend right there. That's a good friend. That brother's like that one would be good for Isaac. <laughs> she is very beautiful. That's a good friend. See, hopefully the person you text will keep that in mind. I ain't gonna front now. My wife is beautiful. I ain't. I ain't listen, people, well, you just need to. The heart is all you need. It's, a heart is very, very important. <laughs> but the other, it also helps. Like. My encouragement to single people, do your best. Hey, Rebecca, for some reason, Rebecca came out looking fly. She was, she was working, but she was, she took care of herself. She was coming out. Just do your best. Do your best. When you come to church, look your best. Yeah. Right. (laughs) Got to stand out somehow. Okay. Just do your best. Now here's the thing. You're all beautiful. To someone. (laughs) You're all beautiful. (laughs) It's true. God, to God, you're beautiful, wonderfully made. I'm not. You're all beautiful. Listen, I told you, I've seen all types of people find each other. Do your best. I, beauty is in the eye of the. Do your best. You never know. Some of us Model are in the industry, I've dabbled in it, have auditions, you get rejected more than you get accepted, all right? Secondly, people ask, oh, you you can, who can model, anybody can model. Any, (laughs) not, you need a certain skill set, but if you look on TV, you see all types of people, there's not one certain look. It's really what the producers are thinking about, the type of person that they envision for that role. OK? So there are times I didn't get the role. They just weren't looking for somebody that looked like me. They didn't look like it's just they went for somebody else. So everybody got a chance. That's right. That's all I'm saying, I, you're welcome. Verse 17, the servant hurried to meet her, ran after her, was diligent, urgent about it, right? Urgent. Some of us have been asking for the Lord to give us the right one. And that person might be right in front of us. Why are we hesitating? Man, if you prayed about it, boom. You see the purse, boom. Get the phone number. They may, they may not come back next week. I'm just talking about just that church. Right? Just, if you see them, look to see if they have a ring on their finger. <laughs> Say hello. Don't be weird. But get a number. Get a number. Prayer is no substitute for action. All right? That means some of us, we got to go ahead and make it happen. She was a very beautiful woman, but it wasn't enough. He knew what he was looking for. He was looking for a virtuous woman, and that's why he prayed that she would offer to water the camels. There's a giving nature about her, a humble nature about her, a caring nature about her. And so he asked God to show him who had the heart that would be great for Isaac. Okay? Verse 19. Let's keep reading here in verse 19. When she had given him a drink, she said, I'll draw water for your camels too until they have had enough to drink. Generous. So she quickly emptied her jug into the watering trough and ran back to the well to draw water for all his camels. The servant watched her in silence, wondering whether or not the Lord had given him success in his mission. Yes, he was on a mission. And God worked it out. He was able to see her heart, her character. And all she was doing was being herself. She woke up that morning, set her heart to she must have set her heart or I mean, not everybody was going to do that, right? I don't know what happened on the road on what's her backstory. That's a great thing to think about, right? How did she get to that place? But she served. She was being herself, had no clue what would happen that day she decided that she was going to love, to be caring, to be generous. And he drew, and she drew water for all the camels. And he was watched. He was like, he just watched in silence, asking God, is this the one? Is this the one? And then he let her finish the work. Let her finish it. And I think the part of that is like a lot of people talk a big game. But is she going to be about what she says she's going to be about? Right. Same thing for the like. That's something great. Like when the guy says A, B, and C. Let's just stop her. Right. When he says he's a Christian, before we jump in, can we? Let's just. Can we watch? You will know a tree by its. If you're really open to God's plan, you will see whether or not that brother is a brother in Christ. You're going to see how he loves, how he serves, how he's in his word, how he treats his mama. You know what I mean? Like, you're going you to you go see But you find, what you love Okay. Verse 21, in silence, he just watched closely. I think about, and he prayed, right? Colossians 4.2. Devote yourself to prayer, being watchful and thankful about our relationships. Not just our romantic relationships, all of our relationships, devoting ourselves to prayer. Thankful, grateful. You know, I think sometimes God doesn't bless us what we want because we aren't grateful for what we have. And that's on the next slide, so you can go ahead and screenshot that one. That's what it says, be watchful and thankful. Thank you, God, for the friends I do have, right? Keep reading verse 22 here, we can start wrapping this up. Then at last, when the camels had finished drinking, he took out a gold ring for her nose and two large gold bracelets for her wrists. Whose daughter are you, he asked, and please tell me, would your father have any room to put us up for the night? I am the daughter of Bethul, she replied. My grandparents are Nahor and Milcah. Yes, we have plenty of straw and feed for the camels, and we have room for guests. The man bowed low and worshiped the Lord. Praise the Lord, the God of my master Abraham. He said, the Lord has shown unfailing love and faithfulness to my master, for he has led me straight to my master's relatives. So once the camels finished drinking, he moves forward, um, and then he had to decide, like, okay, now... The prayer just got answered, right? So now will I respond to that? Sometimes the scariest point is not praying the prayer. It's actually doing what we say we're going to do once God answers that prayer. When me and Christina were getting to know each other, I said, God, I I wanted to tell her how I felt. I wanted to tell her that I was in love with her. Now, we weren't even dating yet. We weren't even in a relationship yet. We were just friends. But every time that I wanted to tell her and confess my undying love for her, she would tell me about how she had gone on a date this past weekend. And I'm like, okay. And I'm like, okay, God, this is the time I'm going to go ahead and tell her. Yeah, so this brother came from this city, and we went on a date. I'm like, geez, I'm dating folks. I'm like, golly. I'm like... Obviously, I'm in the friend zone, right? If you're talking to me about other, I'm in the friend zone, Lord. Uh, Lord, So I pray the prayer, God, if you want me to tell her how I feel, ask, help, have her ask me how I feel. And sure enough, that Easter Sunday, that evening, when we celebrated the resurrection, love was resurrected that day. Because she asked me how I felt about our friendship. And I said, uh, I, 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 I. palms started sweating, heart started racing. I had never been more nervous in my life and our relationship because I knew that was the moment I had prayed for. And I was wondering if I was going to step out on faith now and really tell her and put myself out there. I said, I, I, I think I'm in love with you. And she said, ditto. But what do we do when we ask God for clarity and he makes it clear? We can't ask, okay, God, well, now do this. That happens too. I mean, that's in in, in Judges with Gideon. He did that over and over again. God was really patient with him. He's a little mad, but he was patient. Sometimes we just keep asking for signs. It's like, go do it, right? Now 20, 20 20-year Valentines, 20-year Valentines. So what happens? Let's finish the story here. She runs home. She tells the family everything that had happened. The brother Laban, he rushes out to meet Eleazar. I love that. The brother rushes out. Who is this guy you've been talking to? I, I like that type of relationships in the church with our spiritual brothers and sisters, that we know who our sisters are interested in and dating, that we care about, vice versa, that sisters know the brothers, you know, not in a gossipy type of way, but listen, you want to bring people around your friends and, and your family. If they don't have friends, that's a red flag. If you've only hung out with them alone and you don't know who they're friends with, that's a red flag. Okay, big, pro- big problem. So we should know, like, man, we want uh, what, to, what kind of intentions do you have? I want to know, that goes in trust, right? I want to know, let me get to know that brother for myself. Let me go have coffee. Let's get to know him. So I can tell my sister, man, we had a great time. That's a good brother right there. Or red flag. Just practice, basics. I'm just, I'm just sharing basics today, you know. It's, not, it's nothing, no rocket science, just basics. So he goes out to meet him. Elazar tells a story, and when he tells a story, he makes it all about God. He's like, "Listen, you, I know you are not going to believe. You can't make this up. The Lord—this is what the plan was. This is what we did—and he made it all about God, the whole story of how he prayed, of what he asked God for, like all of it." And hear how the, the family responds in verse 50. Then Laban and Bethuel replied, "The Lord has obviously brought you here, so there is nothing we can say. Here is Rebecca. Take her and go." Yes, let her be the wife of your master's son, as the Lord has directed. Now, they went back on that a little later. But ultimately, Rebecca said, yes, I will go. They gave her the option. But I think when we put God in the center of our stories and we see that it's God who's orchestrating it, we can be a lot more confident in our relationships, right? If we have to make it happen, then we got to keep it going. That's a lot of stress and anxiety. It's hard to trust God when it wasn't God who put you together in the first place, All right? But what does that mean? If you're in a relationship, is God at the center of your story? Okay. If you've been married for a while, is God still at the center of your story? If God wasn't at the center of your story, because that's fine too. Some of us, we ain't. That ain't how we met. We we, we just weren't there. But what is it going to take to make him the center of our story moving forward? Or if he's been moved to the left, to the left, how can we move him back to the center where he belongs? Verse 62. Meanwhile, Isaac, whose home was in the Negev, had returned from Beer Laharoi. One evening, as he was walking and meditating in the fields, this is a spiritual brother. He looked up and saw the camels coming. When Rebekah looked up and saw Isaac, she quickly dismounted from her camel. Who is that man walking through the fields to meet us? This reads like a fairy tale, y'all. She asked the servant, and he replied, it is my master. So Rebekah covered her face with her veil. Then then the servant told Isaac everything he had done, and Isaac brought Rebekah into his mother Sarah's tent, and she became his wife. He loved her deeply, and she was a special comfort to him after the death of his mother. I love that. I love that. God knew what he needed to get through a really challenging time as he lost his mother. He was about 40 years old at this time. Um, I'll close out with this. I, I don't have all the answers. I know I say things pretty confidently sometimes, but I have the scriptures. We all do. There's things I've learned from the scriptures. There's experiences I've had, experiences that I've seen other people have. I've counseled dozens and dozens of couples and married off dozens and dozens of couples. But listen, there is no formula. There is no magic pill. There's no magic way to for these things to happen. You may do all the right things and never get married or never get married again. Right? I, 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 I know that feeling from when I was a younger man and being single and not knowing will this will I ever find the one. I know that feeling. I don't know the feeling of being older or middle-aged and thinking about, man, it's been this long now. I, I don't know that feeling, but, but God understands. And there's other people in the church that 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 understand. I, I do want to encourage you with this: Hebrews 6:10. God is not unjust. He will not forget. Your work and the love you have shown him as you have helped his people and continue to help them. He will not forget. He has not forgotten you, no matter where you are in your relationships or your desire to be in a relationship. Um, There's an old song I heard at a wedding one time that really stuck with me. It's called Bless the Broken Road by Rascal Flats. And he says this, I set out on a narrow way many years ago hoping I would find true love along the broken road. But I got lost a time or two, wiped my brow and kept pushing through. I couldn't see how every sign pointed straight to you. That every long lost dream led me to where you are. Others who broke my heart, they were like northern stars, pointing me on my way into your loving arms. This much I know is true, that God blessed the broken road that led me straight to you. We're going to play that song when we take communion, but before we pray, I think that this song definitely speaks to finding that special someone, but it also speaks to our journey with Jesus, finding God, and how God can bless our broken roads, right, when we haven't made the right decisions, when we've fallen short, when we haven't been intentional, where we've... Try to cut corners and shortcuts, right? And yet God still blesses that broken road to lead us straight to Jesus. So let's pray for communion and let's thank God for the way he's able to orchestrate all of it so that we can know him. And hopefully if we haven't found that someone that we will, and if we have, that we'll stay together till death do us part. Let's pray. God, thank you for who you are. We love you, and um, we thank you for this story in the Bible. You really can't make this up. I mean, it's, it's amazing, God, how um, the things you can teach us from your scriptures, Father. Thank you for these stories like this. We all have them, God. I pray in our own relationships and marriages that we can take time this week to just look back on our journeys, how you brought us together to meet each other. And God, for all of us, that we can look back on our journey to see how you brought us to meet you and have a relationship with you. And for all of us, that goes through the cross. Those broken roads have gone through the broken body of Jesus and the blood that was shed so that we can have a relationship with you. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen thanks for listening to this week's sermon new sermons are uploaded each monday morning simply search the path church atlanta in itunes spotify or your favorite podcasting service additionally we greatly appreciate your feedback on itunes if you would like to learn more about the path we encourage you to visit www.thepath.church we hope to fellowship with you soon